Welcome back, you guys, to Afro Review, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I am one of your hosts, Afro Reviewer Keith. They, them pronoun, your favorite trans podcaster. Yes, and the voice you hear right now is Mo, she, her pronouns, Afro Movie Reviewer, the Chocolate Chip Podcaster. And this is a very special episode of AMR, the podcast, because we have a guest, the wonderful Nicole is with us today. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah. So, welcome. welcome, Nicole. How are you today? I'm good. I'm Nicole. I'm she, her pronouns. I'm I'm chilling this this wonderful Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think of what day it was. Keith <laughs> uh, likes to say time is illusion. If I, I have adopted that. Agreed. Yes. It really is. Yeah. So, we're going to get into an interview. This is, like we said, a very special episode. We are going to be interviewing Nicole because, Nicole, well, look. Why, Nicole, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> it's funny because when Mo first hit me up, I'm like, I don't know, maybe you don't want to talk to me. But that was my imposter syndrome coming to sit next to me, which happens whenever somebody asks me to do something. But I am a theater professional. I may not be currently working, but that is a title that is mine that I do have. Um, I I would say that I was retired in the way that like, if one of my really talented friends offers me a role I would do it but I'm not out pumping the pavement doing auditions okay that's it that's it so this is a wonderful perspective to have for our musical season getting into theatrics and things like that so we'll start with our first question get the ball rolling um so set the scene for us what was your first time engaging with theater like what how old would you were what was that like for you yeah, I go way back in like pre-kindergarten. I did a Christmas play at my school and I had a small part. I don't remember exactly what my role title was, but I felt the need to steal the show, kiss the Christmas prince, and then like take a bow. So <laughs> a at five years old, a star, a star was born. <laughs> And then I continued on through like youth group and things. And then in high school and then for college, I, I have my degree in theater. I did go to college to study theater, worked um, off and on in the Bay Area for like 25 years until I finally left in 2013. And I had the intention of retiring while I was gone. And then I ended up doing like some community theater while I was living in North Carolina and then finally became a member of AEA, Actors Equity Association, working here in Virginia. I didn't even know about the AEA. Thank you for that. Write that acronym down real quick. Yes. (laughs) Most people will just call it equity for shorthand, but AEA. Okay. That's awesome. So how important are Black dollars and patronage to theater? I mean, I think the Black dollar is important to every industry in this country because we move culture, we move needles. Um, The things that we do become cool and hip. But in theater, I would say that we are largely ignored. I think that there is this 
affluence associated, especially with your larger markets like Broadway, that people don't always come for the Black dollar. Even the Black shows aren't really marketed for us until recently, um, very, very recently. And I think that um, in other forms of theater, you've got your like Tyler Perry gospel play, whatever. That's all mm-hmm. about us. Um, but as American theater as a whole, I, I personally don't think the Black dollar is important. Okay. It should be. It should be. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to that, does does the lack of Black dollar also equate to a lack of Black presence, presence in audience, in stage, back of house screenwriters, playwriters, those types of things? Yes, everywhere. And, and Broadway theater is cost prohibitive, but a lot of these younger Black creators have now done these like nights where it you have like free or reduced tickets or other people's people are sponsoring nights to pay for everybody's tickets or like celebrities are buying out houses of black shows on Broadway to make it more accessible Mm -hmm. for us um and then obviously the whole world got a kick in the butt after George Floyd was murdered so there was a call out to the American theater from black artists and allies about inclusion and the way we've been treated in the past, the way our work has been suppressed. Because in my experience, it would be like one theater season would maybe include a Black show if they wanted to get a fun musical off. But then for the rest of the season, we would be ignored. They were not calling us in to really do Shakespeare or to direct or, you know, whatever. So I think that because I'm not like a working professional, I can see as an outsider that that has changed, but that it was never my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's my question next. My bad. <laughs> okay. So how different is it um from well what's how different is it creating art and observing the art? Because I can imagine even with you saying that you are, you know, quote retired or not as active in paving the pavement pushing the pavement that you're still going to. I see sometimes that you are going to, I see the playbill and I'll be really excited that you are like that I know black people that still go to these types of um, theaters and go to see these productions and can be in the audience so that when they are finished, they can see Black hands and Black faces clapping for them. So how different is observing art and creating art? Um, For me, I'll always be a fan of theater. Um, That's how I got into it, by seeing shows and being excited and having like possibility models based off of things I was seeing. So I love sitting in the audience. I hope I never become one of those artists who can't partake of other art, you know? Um, So especially like my favorite musicals and living here, I'm very close to New York city. I didn't see a show on Broadway for the first time until I moved on the East coast. Mm -hmm. But even now living in DC, a lot of stuff comes through the Kennedy center and there's other, just a tour stop here. So I'm always trying to be, you know, in the mix for things. And, And I think the, the difference for the creative process Um, you know, I've always been what I would call product oriented. I've never really loved the process. Some people love rehearsal and being in that creative space and and I'm like, man, can we get to the part where the people are here? (laughs) Like, I want to, I want to do the show. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that feels collaborative as well, because it's not like TV or movies where the performers don't know the audience is there. They are we are living and breathing as an organism together while we create art, they create environment or whatever. So I think it's like, it all kind of relates, 
But I think the production and providing side, you have kind of a different perspective because you are not only responsible for every artist in that room, you then are presenting a work to people. And now in the age of the internet, people are like grabbing clips and showing things out of context in a space that is very sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been an interesting turn of events to see how theater has evolved with the technology. And for the most part, I think they need to figure out how to find a younger audience because their audience is getting old. There's actually a question we have. Go ahead, Keith. So are there enough diverse roles, new or well-established for the amount of stage actors in the field? Never. There, There will never be. Um, but I think that there's so much more opportunity now, especially because there are more Black writers and directors and producers working and and heading up theater institutions and leading organizations. Um, <clears throat> the diversity of roles, especially in newer things, is is so far from what it used to be, but also and still not far enough, you know. So I think the theater industry has a ways to go on in- inclusion of of abilities, of body types, of age, honestly. But I think this is a space where that happens and people are interested in it happening. Mm-hmm. You said something about the, the aging and like the development that theater needs to do in in one of the episodes that we did, um, I learned about the Karamu Theater in Cleveland, which is the like, it's like the oldest Black theater house in the country. I had no idea that it existed. It's still there. I never heard of them either. Never heard of them. They're still putting on productions and things like that. And so it's interesting how you talked about how we have people, you know, that will buy out Broadway for the sake of getting this theater accessing to getting it to people. Um, there are places like the Karamu that are still open and running and like they're just how do I mean coming up on the west coast like I didn't I wouldn't have known about that my, but my dad is from Ohio and he he didn't know about it black man from Ohio right. there wasn't you know theater didn't present to him in a way that he would be you know brought in so one of the questions that we had is how do you appeal to the younger generations now with art being um it's not I don't know that arts are in the schools the same are people are you know are they getting it and exposed to it in a way that would make them want to be creatives when they grow up so how do you what's your spin on that's the first part Mm -hmm. that's the first part like all of this art education that has been taken out of schools how do you how do you expect kids to find something if you take it from them Mm -hmm. and then in the only places they can find it it costs hella money or it's far away, or people look down on it as a legitimate art form for Black people or something like that. Um, so I think first it starts with schools. If I when, if I ever win the lottery, that's the thing I'm trying to do is like a theater school or at, at the very least a kind of a academy that does art kind of therapy, basically. Just a, a thing that kids can do 
to have something to do and mm-hmm. and it can help with so many aspects of life it helps with your public speaking your self esteem it it helps you to be a problem solver it helps you learn how to work in a group you develop community you have accountability to other people you have to meet deadlines so it's that's sort of a thing that i've always dreamt of doing having like a theater school where it's that focus learning on making theater but then also the well-rounded curriculum education things. And then I think it's social media. Um, the, the last big thing that happened was Hamilton, obviously. That That is ubiquitous. It, it changed the world. And they did that kind of in a stage of social media that isn't quite where we are now. And they still managed to do that. But even still, that was not as accessible as it should have been, right? So um, there are still people who can't afford to see Hamilton. Um, so I think it's social media. You have to figure out how to get the alpha generation or Gen Z interested in your play. And whether that is writing stories that they can relate to, casting people that look like them, um, whatever it is, that's what that's what the artists have to figure out. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned technology and the way that that is changing how theater is viewed. How do you feel about platforms such as Tubi and how that might be affecting theater in the upcoming years? So I've never seen anything from Tubi. My only experience is from people talking about it on Twitter. And, you know, I'm down. I love a good, bad movie, whatever. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think that it's it's tricky because you do want to make these sorts of things accessible to people. Um, but there are so many, I would say, hurdles and red tape because equity doesn't allow certain things and you can't really record performances because then you get all sorts of red tape or whatever. But then like, because Hamilton had already, just to use a previous example, had already made a gajillion dollars, they could put it on Disney plus and everybody could see it. Uh And there it was. So now, even if we will never be able to sit in a theater and watch it, it's on television, pretty much in a very sincere form to watching it live. They recorded that at three performances and edited it, but like still. Um, so I think that, that theater as an art form is tricky to be consumed on television, but I would have never seen like Phantom of the Opera if I didn't watch it on PBS when I was younger or like there's productions of stuff on YouTube that I watch regularly. So there's like a Broadway production of Rent that I watch every New Year's Eve. So I I do appreciate artists getting their bag always, but I also think that there has to be like a pay to log in to view this live performance. And it's like 20 bucks or people were doing it during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I know there's a way to, to make it stick. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because um, being in Atlanta, I remember I was reading a, um, and I brought this up on on Don's episode too, but I was leaving a film fest. I mean, I was leaving a, a music festival, and as I was walking out, this guy just randomly walked. He just was at the gate, talking, doing his thing, and he walked up on me. And he's like, "Since you got Tubi," and I said, "Yeah, I think so." And he said, I, "I'm in two movies on Tubi," and I, was I know like, that's right. Okay, because that was my exact response, <laughs> brother. I'm gonna support you. I wish. 
we talked about it on one of the episodes, and I wish that his his links were active because we were trying to find him on Instagram. But he, sure enough, is on these movies on Tubi, and I didn't even know that they were giving people opportunities like that. But this was last summer, and so mm-hmm. Twitter had this thing where they were talking about Tubi and being, you know, doing their their nitpicking. But then somebody brought up it was like a a, a screen grab of how many directors, new directors, Tubi was able to bring to the forefront in 2022. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many of them were black, but let's say 85, like 90% of them names look very black right. to me. So it was very, it was interesting to see that. But it, like you said, there was a time during the pandemic where people were paying for live performances. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like, how do you feel about performances that they did? Like the, um, the live version of Annie that had Taraji in it and like things like that. How do you feel about those? I love those <laughs> so, like, um so there have only been a couple that i either didn't see or didn't love um but those those are the things to me that get people interested in theater because now you have john legend mm-hmm. and the dude from power or whatever show he's from but i know him as who he is <laughs> doing doing jesus christ superstar and then you got sarah barry ellis who brings in a whole other crowd of people yeah. and like the vets that were in that it was like that's it that's it that's how you get people interested because then they go oh i could go see this like in my town nearby me mm-hmm. and it's not gonna be exactly this but you know i think that the um Jesus Christ Superstar to me is the best example of it because the other ones, they were awkward. They were like either filmed with no audience or the audience was doing too much. <laughs> I think they got it right for Jesus Christ Superstar, but I love those. I I think those are the way we get kids and younger people and people who would not normally be into theater into the doors of the theater space. Okay, okay. Um, Keith, you could take my, my number five question because I've freestyle with you um what would be your dream role i know you said you are it's interesting i've played so many of my dream roles but i i would like the opportunity to do some of them in a larger scale i guess i should say um the one that i have not touched yet i would love to play the dotty slash washing machine track in carolina change um I understudied it at theater works, but I never got to go on. And then, you know, Miss Hannigan is a great role, but I feel like now that Taraji has done it, it'll be like hard to to be a black girl doing that. She was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did not know sis could sing, and that's on me. Yeah, <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> she was incredible. Um, Lady Macbeth is one that I've never touched, and I'd love to. And then now that I'm appropriately aged, I think I would like to spin the block on Adelaide from Guys and Dolls again. Okay. Um, One of the things that Dawn brought up in her interview was how um, Shakespeare was kind of a gateway into the door for a lot of Black actors uh, because they directors were willing to take a more creative spin on production by, by casting Black people. So what is your experience with that? Yeah, that, I, I find that to be 100% true as well. I um, I loved Shakespeare um, primarily. I'm a Shakespeare girl. And I think it's the way that the 
the world sees that acting as like a higher level of acting. So you get into the door of theaters where you're not like singing and dancing. You are acting. Actor. <laughs> you're an actor. <laughs> and, I, and, and they do tend to do a lot more colorblind casting with Shakespeare, which is interesting. I don't know why they feel like people can suspend disbelief for Shakespeare, but not for like Tennessee Williams or whatever. So mm -hmm. part of the reason why I left my first college, um, I was the only black person in the program who was an onstage performer. And the program lead said to me, you're so talented. It's a shame we can't cast you more <laughs> because I'm black. Because I'm black, right? Mm -hmm. um, and she was like, because, you know, in most stuff, people are related or, you know, and I'm like 19, 20 years old at the time. And I, and this is the thing that the, the head of my theater department The person that could choose to, to cast you wherever yes. they wanted to <laughs> yes. put that red tape and on then themselves. They, yes. And then they brought in a professional director from San Francisco. We were doing, um, uh, I'm going to blank on the damn name of the play for a minute, but I'll come back to it. A Midsummer Night's Dream, mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Um, and he cast me as Helena, one of the love interests. And it was the first time that I had ever been cast as a love interest. Well, originally cast as a, as a love interest. Mm -hmm. And he did not want to step around the fact that I was a Black person. And and even in rehearsal, there's a, a a joke amongst theater people that like the the white directors used to be able to say like do it blacker to you before that was not okay, and now they find more creative ways to say that. But he really nurtured me to be like I cast you, I want you mm -hmm. on stage. Um, so it was a wonderful experience for me because I I'm like I'm a black girl, so. <laughs> When you cast me, you the character uh -huh. is now a black girl. So yeah. this is what it is. Um, and it was a, a wonderful experience for me. So Shakespeare has always had a special place in, in my heart. And I do and I do believe that the theaters who used to just do the quote unquote black show, they were always open to casting black people in Shakespeare. Funny enough. That's it. I wonder if my guy knew that that would be his legacy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> um one of the other things that i've learned in doing um research is i'm hearing about or like learning more about people that used to do like concerts in the park or like plays in the park where they would just improv to bust out do these things do they still do that i don't know i wonder if covid kind of kind of killed that a little mm -hmm. but um i know people do traveling shows i just haven't really been I used to do one um and I think of somebody that I know does a program at a at a prison in California too which is also one of the things that they used to have they used to have um prisons and like art and poetry in in the incarcerated system so that incarcerated mm -hmm. people were able to see themselves as not just people who were incarcerated but more than that they were artists and they were also thespians and things like that which kind of leads me to the, my my last question before Keeks's I think maybe last question um what are some of the politics in theater that you wish that you can change that aren't just black and white as far as race or like basic understanding of things yeah I think um and this is another reason I stepped away from the industry and I really want to hope that it's better now. Um, but there's a lot of like, um, 
it's supposed to be the place where no one cares what you look like, but people care what you look like. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this, like the fact that I hardly ever got cast as a love interest. Men like me mm-hmm. <laughs> in real life. Yeah. People think that I'm attractive in real life. I think I'm attractive in real life, mm-hmm. but on stage, I was always someone's mother. And, and, and I'm like 27 years old being cast as someone's mother mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. Um, or there's this thing of like, they don't know how to put clothes on my body. I know how to put clothes on my body. Mm-hmm. I gave you my measurements. You saw what I looked like. Why is it so difficult to dress me in a way where I look appropriate? Mm-hmm. And I never got into theater to be pretty on stage, but I can count maybe on one hand, the number of times I was pretty on stage. Mm, despite what the character was supposed to present as. Well, they were so rarely cast me in a character that, that was, was supposed, supposed to, to present as, as pretty. Mm. <laughs> but um, like things like like that, like pair, the pairing of, of love interests. And a lot of times it's because Sometimes men are shorter mm-hmm. than I am. I'm, I'm a tall girl, tallish mm-hmm. for a woman. So I, I get that. And I know that I read, I don't, I think that I read much younger on stage than I am in real life, but then I've got this deep alto voice. So I'm, I'm hard to whatever is my mindset. But then I work with somebody like DMW or my friend Rail, Myra Codges, and they're like, no, yeah, <laughs> no. Having to have a conversation with the costumer, like, why does she look like that? Mm-hmm. Dress her like her. Look at her body. Dress her appropriately. Like, why is this hard? Why is this an issue? Hair also, which I know now is not is they've come a long way. But there have been so many occasions where I've had to be like, you're going to have to put me in a wig because I'm not doing that to my hair mm-hmm. eight times a week. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, there's also a like. <sighs> For me, it feels a little dehumanizing the way that sometimes castings are written. That's one of the call outs that happened after 2020 of just like the way that people are describing people for roles. It's even worse in television and theater because it's just all stereotypes. And so there is a very like image based aspect to the industry, which you can't avoid. Like this is you 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 can avoid the hollywood beauty standards on stage mm-hmm. you should avoid them why did it do we not have more plus size uh skylar sisters if we're still talking about hamilton where they at speak on it where the dark skinned girls where they at where the non binary people if you can gender swap and race swap why we ain't figured this out mm-hmm. There's an actress on Broadway who uses a wheelchair. Great. More of that. One of the first shows to go back on tour after the pandemic shutdown was Tootsie. For real? <laughs> the, the show where a cis man dresses as a woman, that's the one y'all want to kick it back off with? Mm. Why are we doing Mrs. Doubtfire, right? I mean, like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there are, so there's, there are things are happening. Some like it hot, uh, my beloved, a strange loop. There was a beautiful trans woman who 
first trans woman to uh, be nominated for a Tony. So things are happening. I just looked up um, age is God's punishment because you guys said it on the episode. I was like, I need to find this. I need to know this. You have to listen to A Strange Loop. You have to listen to it. I'm obsessed with it. Not just because I'm friends with half the cast and I know the creator. It's just a wonderful piece of theater. Not without, you know, everything has a thing and but from my perspective, it was the most inventive, most honest, blackest. I'm about to cuss. I don't know if that was okay. You can absolutely blackest, yeah. <laughs> blackest shit I've seen in a long time. And sometimes the black shit is for white people, but this was for us. And they were just looking at us like, what is going on? And we were having an experience. Yes. So we will absolutely add that to the list because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely gonna find that Yay. yeah it's called a strange loop there's the albums everywhere you can stream um and then i just found out that they're gonna be opening in london congratulations to them right yeah. it's dope okay so it's tony time and not only have you been nominated you've won <laughs> give your acceptance speech first of all i have to give honor to god yeah and my mama and them and like I just want to say thank you to everyone who ever believed in me to every community theater show y'all came to see me in and I want to say thank you thank you thank you to the American Theater Wing and all of my homies who never let me give up on my dreams and also thank you to the other nominees Wow, I'm just amongst some of the greatest artists of all time here. And like, I just want to say to everybody at home, keep dreaming. It can happen for you. Thank you. Yeah. I love that so, much. so part of the reason we wanted you here, like I opened up, why are you here? Part of the reason you were here is because we want to give you your flowers. As a person who has a portfolio the way that you do and has been working as hard as you have, we want to make sure that you know that people do see you and that we appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, part of the reason that we ended this with you giving your award speech is because we want you to see yourself there as a possibility, right? So even if you never decide to come back out of, you know, the sh- even if you decide just to be you and you never want to put on another character's name again, we want you to know that we appreciate you and the work that you've done, Black actress, and that we see you. And what an honor it is to be able to take your time this Sunday and ask you these questions and just ask you, anything at all to take this to have this with you right thank you so so much i'm so i'm like choked up i'm super honored thank you so much i think um a lot of times we go we tend to minimize ourselves and our accomplishments and really truly like no i've never been on broadway no i've never been nominated for a tony but i premiered a musical at the kennedy center yes like like I have created roles um I have worked with artists who have gone on to win Tony Awards and have like I did one of the first ever readings of Katori Hall's The Mountaintop so like thank you for that perspective because even my little 10 year old self could not imagine the things that that I've done so and maybe my life path is not to be back on the stage. Maybe it's theater education at some point. Maybe it's just as an audience member patronizing 
black art, but I just thank y'all so much. I really needed, I really needed that. You're thank you. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I've, I've loved you since I've known you, but I'm glad to be able to give you this love on today. Um, this episode is going to be dropping May 21st, which is Miss Cole's birthday. So when you, hey. yes, yeah, so we'll make sure that we plug this. Is there anything that you would like us to plug for you so that we could include this so people know where to find you, how to support you, how they can be a patron of the beautifulness that is you? Thank you so much, Mo. Um, I just <laughs> want to give you a shout out as my sorority sister. I love and appreciate you always. Um, Keeks, it's been so wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for sharing your platform with me. I love the work that you all are doing here Thank and I so wish you much, much, much success. Um, for some complete nonsense and foolishness with lots of cuss words and N words, you can listen to my podcast. It's called What's the T T E A, which I co-host with my best friend Reggie, who is a famous Broadway actor. Um, but we just are two best friends kind of on the phone talking about the things that we've gone through in our week. And sometimes we get to entertainment, but it's really rowdy, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun over there. It's what's the T T E A everywhere you can find podcasts. I'm also kind of rowdy on Twitter, but if you'd like to follow me there, I'm Nick Jew and I see J U. Yes. Yes. Y'all. So that is this very special episode of AMR, the podcast. Thank you again. We love you so much. That's it, y'all. Yes, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your insight. This has been wonderful. It's so awesome to talk to. I, I'm a theater gay. So yes, so yes, yes. Come on, theater gay. I was just like, I'm, I'm one of those yeah. people that figured out that the best movies come from books. Geeks figured yes. out that the best I, musical movies typically come from plays. So That's absolutely it. <laughs> And I'm glad you mentioned YouTube because that's where I find most of my theater work because I, I will watch it. I will figure it out. I will I will watch it. I will support it. And I'm so happy to have a Black person to talk to about theater work and how it works for people like us out there. And it's just uh, I almost teared up when you get yeah. here. Like a little Tony <laughs> acceptance speech. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And let's connect on socials. I have recommendations for you. A couple of friends of mine do a review show on YouTube. Um, they're the Broadway broads. Um, I love them dearly and they're wonderful, wonderful people, but they've got a whole YouTube channel. They go to New York frequently and review a bunch of shows. They also travel and see shows elsewhere. So Etsy. Yes. Link. Put more black Link. people on. We love it. <laughs> yes. All right. That's it, show. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.